a new week, a new episode of the Mastering Agility podcast series. This podcast series aims to inspire you and others by bringing in the biggest names, thought leaders, authors, consultants, trainers, what have you. We'll be talking about the hardest, most inspiring topics when it comes to Agile. Want to stay up to date about this podcast? Go to the website of masteringagility.org, subscribe to the newsletter, and OptiLearn will provide you with a discount code for all their scrum.org related courses. How awesome is that? And today we'll be talking about professional agile leadership combined with evidence-based management. And to help us with that, talk us through that is Magdalena Fairlit, professional scrum trainer and agile transformation consultant. Let's hear from her. Magdalena, good morning. How are you doing? <laughs> Good morning to I'm doing great, very busy. However, I found some time to meet you because it would be really interesting conversation. I much appreciate it. What's keeping you busy these days? Uh, mostly consulting and training. That's what I'm doing on a daily basis, training companies, uh, public classes, but also consulting like how to how to be more agile. So how to implement more agility in companies' work environments. Well, it's good that you're still busy then. That means there's still um, a big use for the topic that we're talking about today. You're teaching professional agile leadership and evidence-based management too. What's the difference there? Um, that's, a, that's a difference uh, because uh, professional agile leadership evidence-based management class is mostly focused on setting up goals, like strategic goals, intermediate goals, and tactic goals, and then how to measure it, what experiments we should run as the company to make sure that we are going towards the right direction. And the PALI class of professional agile leadership essential is the class, sort of basic class for middle managers mostly, but also valuable for protagonists, scrum masters, agile coaches, uh, directors as well, program project managers, how to also become an agile leader. So EBM class, evidence-based management is focused rather on setting up goals and uh, measuring value. But on the other hand, the PALI class, so essential class for leaders is how to I can change and what I can do to move on, to change the culture, to change processes, how to cooperate with teams, with the organization. So there is a huge difference, of course, but can be confusing because the first part of the name of the course is also professional agile leadership. Both. So I, I understand what can be confusing. Sometimes it can be, but there is still a huge need for that leadership also for setting the goals, making those measurable. What's the importance of those goals? What do you define as goals? I mean, you have the product vision, you have product goals, but there are a lot of more goals, for instance, the strategic level. What does yeah. do you define as goals in this this sentence? Mm -hmm. So let's start from the like the level more granula granulation. So for example, tactical goal can be the sprint goal. Intermediate goal, we can refer to the product goal. But the organization has also some goal. 
and can be strategic goal. For example, we need to go to cloud and how are we going to measure and why we are going to cloud, why we should move there, why it's so important. So that can be sort of strategic goal. For example, to better serve our customers so that our, for example, upgrades are not done manually with our customers, but they can be done automatically. So that can be, for example, a recent strategic goal uh, I experienced. Uh, what else can be? Like uh, improve general satisfaction or reach the market share. But also we need to take into account customers, what we are giving them in general, as a company. So I, I treat uh, uh, EBM as sort of examination of the entire company. And then when you can see, you can even change your goal. Sometimes goals are even wonderful, great, but irrelevant once you have this, uh, like the ultrasonography for the, for your organization. <laughs> yeah, sort of, yeah. That's my comparison, like an ultrasonography for, for, for the entire organization. And you can see what is missing because we have there four key value areas and unrealized value. So we can see what is missing in the company, in the organization, like the whole product portfolio level. And we can, we can really easily can see if our goal, when we have it, strategic goal is really relevant or maybe something else. So after, after some measurements in companies, there is an interesting observation that we, what we can do there, we can change the goal. Yeah. Because our goal was completely irrelevant and really not helpful. I guess that's the whole empirical uh, approach to it. Mm -hmm. um, does does Scrum.org, the creator of the pal uh, the professional agile leadership evidence based management uh, platform, uh, is there any any differentiation when it comes to portfolio goals, uh, the, the tactical goals? How do you make that transparent? How do you create such an mm -hmm. overview? where you see how these are linked and how can, can Scrum teams work with that in practice? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so once we have the strategic goal, so my approach is uh, to engage almost everyone to create the strategic goal. So for example, some not only C-level, not only director's level, but also when some representatives from team, they can really participate in this goal creation, that's more beneficial. They are more engaged and they feel that's our goal, not their goal, but our goal. And when is the strategic goal, it's like, it's become obvious uh, because uh, it's really important to have this goal. And then those product goals from many products, they can participate in, in reaching this strategic goals. And of course, tactical goals like sprint goals, for example, they, they should also participate in reaching this intermediate and then strategic goal. And we can constantly inspect and adapt if we are moving toward the right direction. So that's, that's great. And it's really empirical. So we need to set up some guidances can be aligned with sprints, can be aligned monthly. So of course, it depends on the product and how 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 fast we need to verify it. Yeah, that's a, that's a great great topic or a great point that you bring up there. The cadence that you want to bring people together. How where do you base that on? Um, mm -hmm. I've seen organizations that really struggle to bring the C level manager or the, the middle management yeah. together with mm -hmm. those Scrum teams because it feels like they're disconnected, like scrum teams should be the ones working with those sprint goals. Um, and I see uh, a, a gap starting yeah. to create there. Yeah. How do you deal with that? 
you touched a very important topic. I would say also that's the pitfall of implementing EBM very often. So how to prevent it? Again, have some participants from teams together to create the strategic goal. In that way, it will be more engaged. That's the, the first thing. The second thing, actively involved top management, C-level. Actively. Without it, that's really hard to be serious and, and to discuss those goals and really having some actions to reach them. Yeah, so absolutely active involvement. And this is working uh, with the mindset, with people's mindset and also the organizational culture. So it's like a very wide variety of things that should happen to make it really effective and enable it. Who's responsible for setting up these kind of, of meetings, these kind of events where you have, it, maybe that's a good segue there too. Mm -hmm. Do you have a workshop to do this mm -hmm. together? Yeah. Yeah, How do you yeah, do this yeah. and who's responsible for setting those up? Yeah, so when, I, when I'm with the consultant, it's easier right now. <laughs> Much easier <laughs> because they hire me for it. So I have, for example, setting up the strategic goal and in general, for example, also goes for agile transformation. Uh, and it's easier because I, what I require, I require someone for C, from C-level or at least uh, VP level, director, some some representatives from directors level, uh, middle managers, and maybe someone from from teams, like twenty, sometimes thirty people, just representatives. When especially when the organization is like a big large corporate environment, so it's really uh, it's really beneficial when we have can have at least some representatives, and. Uh, this is that's the easiest way, of course. So they know, they are convinced, they need it, and that's all. <laughs> but when you are hired in your company, so it's really it really depends as well because sometimes the coaches or scrum masters or product owners, the or managers uh, or directors, even agilists, of course, all of them, they are running it. But sometimes. It's also the best case scenario. Sometimes C-level or VP level, they are asking for it, their employees. So let's go together. That would be, of course, great solution as well. So it may, hap it may happen in, on all levels, actually, but we need people who are really convinced that it will be working for us and would be beneficial for us and not forcing people. That's, that's hard. So it's all about, again, coming back to my mindset. Because, you know, strategic goals or setting up those goals is the strategy level and sometimes operational level. But when it comes to mindset, why we need it, yeah? Yeah, that I think that's... the hardest part. It is, yeah, especially when, when, when you're so disconnected in the, with, with really large organizations. Now, in the book, um, product, what's the professional product owner uh, by Dom McGreal and uh, Ralf Jochum, they mentioned the product management onion where you get your product mm -hmm. management vacuum where you mm -hmm. that that gap starts to exist between the top level and the lower level now let's say we're in entering such a workshop where do we start do we start with the teams presenting what work they're doing do we start with the middle layer do we start with the executive executives telling hey this is where we're going this is why we need to do something what's your advice as a mm -hmm. consultant where to start mm -hmm. so what i ask first just uh, have some incentives, uh, some ideas from teams. 
what they need, what they see, what they perceive as a really strategic goal for the organization. And you may find very different options and great for discussions. So, for example, when they are running their sprint retrospectives, the part of it that can be, for example, like a 15-minute exercise. What is your strategic goal for the organization? And then what I need, I need to save the thing that they are coming up, those teams, with their proposals for goals. So this is the first step of participation, engagement, and involvement. That's uh, that's what I like the most. And then uh, managers are talking again with with directors and product owners, of course. I I, I haven't mentioned product owners so far because it, it's obvious, but they they must be there. So <laughs> so sorry for that. Of course, dear product owners, you are you are absolutely there. Like it's it's absolutely like necessary of course and then they can they can discuss those ghost proposals they can see and but once they measure the organizations once they measure products also it can be really easier for them to see what is our unrealized value and unrealized value can be the beautiful source of both strategic goals and intermediate goals yeah. so that's also that, that can be also going in that way and do you create a dashboard for that? How does that work? How do you oh, yeah. make that transparent? Yeah, so first when I when I started with uh, EBM together with uh, other trainer and my dear mentor, Ravi Verma, we started uh, at one company. Uh, it was uh, two, 2015. Uh, and we started with Excel. <laughs> started with first, yeah, with Excel. <laughs> uh, that was it works, really... It works. Yeah, whatever, whatever works. But the way, what we what we know, because also you you mentioned a very important topic, uh, visualization. Once you visualize all key value areas, it's really it's really e easy to to really make a decision because e EBM framework is to make decisions based on facts. So first we started with Excel, then uh, some people helped us uh, in the company because it was in the company internally and uh, they write for us the tool <laughs> for for really gathering just uh, those uh, values, uh, some numbers and presenting it in a very nice way. So we could really see what is the organizational level and each product itself. So you can also have on the organizational level the dashboard with the condition of the entire organization and to how we deliver as entire organization value. So this is like a part of product portfolio management. And also we, 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 we had the overview on other products, like products that, uh, of course, the sum of those products that was organizational level. Um, nowadays, uh, Ravi is working on Developing the tool for, for measuring value is al dente tool. And, uh, and I like it very, very much because right now it's professional, like Excel file, not our <laughs> own, own. Yeah, it's professional, but, uh, uh, so people still have some choice to do it. You can do it or manually, or you can use something that is available on the market and you can use it easily, just putting some in some numbers. That's, so that's uh, Ravi that's, Verma who's working yeah. on that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I'll dent it all. I think that's going to help a lot of people start with this. And yeah. That brings me to the next question. How do you start with that? How do you determine what to measure? Because mm -hmm. if, we, if we measure, then we know mm -hmm. um, 
then we, we gather our evidence, we gather our knowledge. But where do you start measuring stuff? Mm -hmm. So what I'm always saying, start with what you have. But what we need to know, it's that we have four key value areas. First is uh, unrealized value. Maybe I can, I can maybe show it. Why it would not be nice to show talk us it? through it for the people who are listening? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Because uh, why I will be looking for it, I also I also can explain. Uh, four key value areas. What is important? Important is to measure all key value areas because, as you can see, there is. Uh, there is like an entire overview on the organization. Uh, let me show you. For those who are listening, you can yeah. find the video uh, video material on our YouTube channel of Mastering Agility. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I hope you can see it. Yeah. So we have four key value areas. One is current value. The second one is time to market. The third, ability to innovate. And the third, unrealized value. And... What people are doing, people are measuring mostly time to market, at some point ability to innovate. That's all. That's all. That's my observation from organizations, like 90% of them, they are focusing, especially when it's IT organization and product owners are from the IT department. And they are not connected completely with business side. So we know what is like a faster time to market. That would be, that's, that's the, the most common IT department goal. It's fine. But how do we know what is needed? If faster time to market is the real goal, because maybe your customers or users, they want something different. And in that way, we can measure current value and unrealized value from, from the current value. So unrealized value is all about gaps, opportunity, and desired outcomes for, for our experience, desired for our customers, and also desired market share. So if you see those gaps, those opportunities there, you can easily say, okay, time to market, it's not our goal. Our goal, for example, is like better performance. Because customers, users will tell you what they are missing. Or, for example, we have really poor market share and we need to increase it by, for example, 12%. So that can be the source. And that's what I said before, but it's the beautiful source of, of product. And on the organization level, also the, the, the organizational strategic goals, the source of it. Uh, and also ability to innovate, sometimes number of versions. We are not aware, but uh, we need to maintain like 60 numbers of versions of one product. Let's maintain all of them. And that can be sort of improvement also for us. As an example, uh, also from current value, we can know if we are making money just simply like that and how costly is our product. And sometimes people, they don't think about it. They only think that we need to do it faster, faster. Give me more and faster <laughs> and better. <laughs> but uh, sometimes it's not completely re relevant idea. And answering to your question. So start with what you have and we map what they have for now. Uh, regularly, I, I can see that they don't have uh, metrics uh, when it comes to uh, current value and of course unrealized value as well. So what we are trying to do, we are trying to say, okay, someone measures it in your organization for sure. 
like costs, like revenue, like market share, for example, maybe even customer feedback. So what is the most important question? Who can help us? Who can help us to have this the, the entire big picture of uh, of our or product or or even organization so the pitfall is that people also tend to focus uh, on time to market as i mentioned before that's the common pitfall even after sometimes workshop uh, they are unsuccessful of reaching for example from sales or marketing department those uh, those current value or annualized value measures and they just don't know what to do <laughs> so so uh, it's also about like internal politic between departments <laughs> and having different goals and so setting up the common goal is really helpful. That's why that's why I mentioned top management involvement and VP level involvement, everything that can help people actually to cooperate together, regardless if they are reporting to this department line or different department line. So so that's uh, that's what we what we would like. We would like to connect people by, yeah. by this. So uh, that reporting is not necessarily hierarchical. It goes both yeah. ways, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Even still, if the organization is hierarchical, what what is the, the the reason why not to have those common goals? Why not? Actually, it's validated because uh, sometimes sometimes we we can be successful uh, when it comes to when it comes to connecting people between departments, uh, and also those metrics we are providing in EBM guide they are examples you can use something also different. So, for example, in current value, when you don't, uh, you you are the product that is, for example, like an online shop or something like that. So maybe you would like to add something more like conversion, maybe retention, maybe acquisition. Yeah. It's not included in in, in the ba- in those basic met- measures we, we provide. But you can, you are free to add something what is really important. So we provide only examples to just show you what can be done. But the one rule is measure all four key value areas, whatever metrics would be relevant for you and have goals. That's another rule and cadence, establish some, some cadences and start doing it and visualize visualize because uh, visualization is the also key it's easier to make a decision and also what what EBM is doing for for us uh, is uh, like completely wiping out the no the I would say attitude to people who are who are creating goals in the organizations and they are coming with those goals from nowhere just uh, just they are waking up in the morning and uh, like uh, just out of the blue having the, this great idea that's unvalidated assumption and we would like to validate assumptions so what EBM is giving you actually the background and facts background for the conversation, for the discussion, but facts as well. So we are not talking about the crystal ball <laughs> as we as we did in the past, but right now we are talking about facts. So that's awesome. People can have a really great idea when they wake up and they had a dream about something and they can start measuring yeah. that. Yeah. Now I like what you just mentioned. Um, measure all four key value areas. What would happen if someone would say, for instance, leave out time to market? So they would just measure 
their current value, the unre- mm-hmm. unrealized value, um, mm-hmm. and their ability to innovate? What if they mm-hmm. left out the time to market? So you don't, in that way, you don't know if your time to market is good or not, just simply like that. If your release cycle is good or, or not good, but providing some value to customers, maybe they want something faster or maybe slower, actually. So, so we, we don't know without it. When we miss any of those key value areas, for example, we, we focus only on ability to innovate. We don't know if it's, uh, if we are giving any value of our, to our customers. Or when we skip time to market also, we don't know if we are good enough or not. Um, we don't know about our competitors. So actually we have just the narrow picture of from the entire big picture. So that's why, that's why we, we recommend and we really think that it's important to see because you see, you can see everything. Everything is connected to each other. So for example, uh, your, your, your customers user satisfaction gap may, maybe the reason, the source of it may be in different key value areas. Maybe your features um, are not used because people are missing something. When you measure only time to market, for example, you don't know if they are missing something or not when it comes to the product quality uh, itself, not like the technical quality, but but just from the feature perspective. Uh, or maybe when you don't measure ability to innovate, maybe your performance, or maybe you, you have many um, in production incidents or some defects, and you don't know, actually, when you don't measure and combine it. So those... Uh, Okay, value area serves us to measure everything what is possible to see any potential improvements in our product. And also we can make a decision about the product where to invest or where not to invest. So for example, when we have high current value, which is great, and low unrealized value, it means that we have like the very great potential or not. Actually, low, car, low unrealized value means that we have little potential in the market. It means that our product, so high current value, low unrealized value, means that it is a cash cow <laughs> sort of the product. Is, yeah. So making money, customers are happy, uh, we have great market share, very few gaps, and some few potential improvements only. So we are doing great, but we need to still keep an eye on it. When we have great potential, so high unrealized value and low current value, we need to invest in it because it's a huge potential, huge opportunity for us to improve or or or, or just revenue or improve uh, customer satisfaction. Uh, usually they are related to each other, like revenue and customer satisfaction. There are some research also great. That's saying it's obvious, but also it's uh, the research is saying that happy customers should be, of course, the relationship with higher revenue. Absolutely, yes. And we're not to invest the product, low current value, low unrealized value. Maybe there is no point for really maintaining the product and developing it still. Maybe we should focus on something different. So that's uh, that's the 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 high level, of course. uh, What I'm what I'm sharing. That's the uh, some sort of uh, big picture of the of those products, and also decision making when it comes to the future of the product itself. I think that's a good point that you bring up there too. Uh, for instance, looking at Apple, their latest iPhone, it's not the biggest innovation. There is little room for unrealized failure. I mean, how far can you stretch a product like that? 
yet their current value and their customer satisfaction is sky high. They're selling the, the, the cash cow just never cease to die. How do you make such a thing tangible? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so we, we can see, like, uh, again, <laughs> I, I come back to the, to the picture because maybe it's easier when I visualize it. So again, we are keeping an eye on it. Uh, current value high, customers are happy, revenue is great, a little potential of unrealized value. I, I wouldn't force any new... Uh, or improvements when it comes to, for example, adding more features, because adding more features doesn't mean that, but customers, they want it. So we need to just interview our customers, uh, some groups of customers and keep an eye on it. Maybe they want something different. Maybe some innovations will, would be really grateful, great for them. So we need to measure it, constantly measure it. So don't stop measuring. Even if you, you are, you are here, what like the high current value, low unrealized value, still measure it because that can be the time you will become one of those companies who miss the market. <laughs> at market opportunities. So that's what I would do. Again, measure and uh, talk to your customers. That's also the part that is missing in many organizations. They don't talk with your customers. Sometimes they they are sending some surveys and that's all. (laughs) Why do you think that is? Are people that scary? Uh, Maybe, maybe. Uh, Or or maybe it's uh, that uh, it's enough. So maybe not about fear but also about uh, some processes. So there are many different reasons. So for example, procedures or processes in the organizations, they, they, they make it more difficult, <laughs> just harder <laughs> for reaching direct customers. So for example, people from IT, they want to really talk to their customers. They have some prototypes. They would like to do some interviews and observations, uh, but uh, like the legal department or marketing or sales department, they are saying no. You cannot, because only we can discuss with customers. Yeah, sometimes it also is the reason. Sometimes people are scary. Yeah, sometimes they are not even aware of it, but it's but can be really important. That could that kind of behavior become transparent using a format like this? Like, let's let's use this as a tool. Could these these kind of behaviors become transparent by that too? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, behaviors like, uh, for example, the, it's apparent that people they don't trust each other. Yeah. When yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like the trust is uh, like the engagement, cooperation is lacking, is missing, and their commitment is missing. So it's obvious when you can see people and their behaviors and how they are connected on not only with setting up goals because also but also measuring it or willingness to really change something in our company so that's also really visible and fear mostly fear you're right is like uh, like also the one of the indicator and one of the reason at the same time so we need to take care of those fears where would they come back like in in those fear in those four key value areas where would mm-hmm. a a factor like that come back into where would that become transparent mm-hmm. um it uh, when it comes to fear that was yeah, the question. Yeah, 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 yeah. For example, they don't want to share uh, current value uh, because product owners are afraid that our product uh, is not making money, just simply like that. 
<laughs> sometimes, uh, yeah, sometimes uh, developers they, they don't want to measure their technical debt because they know there is a huge debt there <laughs> and they really don't want to show it because they are afraid that they will be punished. So again, lack of trust in the organization and culture, organizational culture. And also sometimes trying to market, we don't want to show it because uh, it becomes obvious that we have additional phases that can be really easily, or maybe not easily, depends on the organization, reduced when we we really, really uh, uh, have this uh, pure Scrum framework. Yeah, so, like with the Scrum tools. framework, like with the Scrum framework, this is only going to be successful when people are transparent, right? Yeah. Yeah, and the and same with EBM, transparency. We don't want to kill people or fire people by EBM, but people are afraid. So first of all, we need to take care of those uh, fears, anxieties, everything what may happen. But it's not for punishing punishment. It's only for making things better, like on the exactly. organizational and product level. Yeah, exactly. This, actually, this is more of a feedback tool, of a way of giving feedback and collecting feedback. Now, tying this together with leadership and management, what can they do with this information? How does this tie mm -hmm. together help, with leadership? Help change the organization. So it means, for example, who is a decision maker when it comes to changing the process? Top, middle management depends, of course, what what the process, yeah, what, what we are talking about. So uh, that's the one of the example, and they can help in many different ways. For example, changing our culture, having like uh, company values, but really, but 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 are but are for real, not like corporate values, and no one is. Just, just don't, <laughs> they just don't pay attention to those, ah, some values, yeah. But really, showing people that we are living by those values, we trust you. Please trust us. Building this uh, entire culture that would be really beneficial, uh, and also those removing those organizational impediments. So helping remove them, really, yeah. So what, what teams, what scrum masters, what their coaches, product owners, managers, what they are. Sharing, but yes, that's a problem for us. That's uh, something that uh, that's stopping us from delivering value. So usually that's the that's the case. But but top management can really change something, and that's why this uh, an involvement uh, of uh, an active engagement of top management it's so important. Not only when it comes to setting up the goals, but also with with enabling actually entire organization to be to be more flexible, more nimble, and more agile. More engaged, yeah. How mm -hmm. does this, this framework relate to, for instance, OKRs and KPIs? You can use, yeah, you can use uh, OKRs, for example, when it comes to, there is no go here, but when I would add go here, you can use whatever you want. You can use uh, objective key results, or you can use widely important goals, Mostly I, I was working using widely important goals, but objective key results as well. Goals must be specific and measurable, can be time bounded. That's all. That's all measurable. Measurable. Yeah. So that's that's all. That's how do that's, you define quite simple? <laughs> how do you define measurable? Because my velocity is measurable. Uh, the amount of uh, uh, product backlog items that I that I cram out as a team mm -hmm. is measurable. What do you define as measurable? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So, for example, we need to increase uh, our customer satisfaction by 10% because we know what is from the current state. So now, for example, customer satisfaction is like 60% of customers, let's say, are happy. The rest of them are quite unhappy. Let's imagine. So we know from those uh, or surveys, not only surveys, but also interviews from customers and other, of course, approaches. We know that it's possible for now, let's say in the first quarter, we can increase their satisfaction, but by some specific actions, of course, by 10%. So to reach 70% of their satisfaction. So 10% more, more people would be more happy with our so. At, at the same time, some, some, somehow realistic goal, right? And uh, we are we are having some actions. We know what is missing. We know from interviews from customers. We know what they want. What would be their desired outcome? We need to also just uh, verify our market share. We should be aware of our competitors. We should know about it so we can also see how can we increase market share. And in that way, it's measurable. So that's very much focus on the outcomes rather than the outcomes, output. Right. especially uh, those uh, strategic goals, outcomes, like tactical goals um, can be also um, focused on outputs. Why not? Sometimes, yes, oh, yeah, absolutely. When it comes to intermediate goals, of like outputs or outcomes, whatever is helpful and helping us to to reach the strategic goal. And this feels like something that a lot of organizations, a lot of teams could really benefit from. Where mm -hmm. can they start finding you, start finding this course, start finding material? Where do people start? Um, people people start uh, after the class, they start with what they have. <laughs> but uh, this is after, after, after the class. Uh, before the class, uh, it depends because sometimes people are coming with some ideas and they know what they should measure, for example, current or, or both unrealized value. Um, but uh, they, they struggle with uh, organizations and they struggle with, with, with decision makers and struggle with uh, mindset and culture in the organization. So that's the reason they are coming to the class to, to really see uh, how they can, of course, overcome those uh, those issues they, they may have, those challenges they may have. So it's not just the class is focusing on the framework itself. It's really about the implementation and the use of it, correct? Yeah, at, uh, at some point, especially when they are asking questions. <laughs> so I'm, I'm there to help them to, to answer something. Yes. And about culture and, for example, um, how, how they are go, how goals and behaviors and measures are connected to each other. So they know after the class that there are some behaviors that uh, really stopping them or just hindering the, the entire process of implementing and how to work on it. So a bit of culture is as well, I guess, self-explanatory after some exercises. Now, people who are interested after this podcast or after reading something, where can they uh, enlist themselves for uh, a mm -hmm. course on this? Yeah, that's the Scrum.org uh, website or my website can be. Uh, Scrum.org, it's uh, like uh, EBM classes. So in the, in the search engine, they can, they can find, find me and find my classes, but also uh, on my website, just simply what, like that. What's her website? 
magdalenafirlid.com. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll include that in the yeah. show notes as yeah, well. Yeah, because it can be like hard to hard to uh, understand sometimes some surnames, especially my my surname. <laughs> <laughs> I'll include it in the show notes. Yeah. So people can just click yeah. on it. Now, as a last question before ending this show, what's the best advice that you've been ever given? Mm. Uh, the best advice, uh, start talking with uh, top management level. <laughs> really, really start talking because when I was starting in some organization talking with, for example, only Scrum Masters, forgive me Scrum Masters, all product owners or agile <laughs> coaches, forgive me, that's not your fault. And uh, we stopped on this level. So sometimes implementing EBM on like two teams or maybe three teams, depends, of course, how many teams were working on the same product, sometimes one team, uh, and that's all. <laughs> really, it's helpful, of course, but still when people are not empowered or top management or director level, they don't want to listen to people, that's, re that's really hard. So we can do this exercise. That's fine. That's nice. But no support from, from, from the top. Yeah. Ideally, ideally no hierarchy, but also, uh, yes, that's, that's something, that's something, but, uh, but we should also work on it. So like the political, I call it with the politic of open doors. <laughs> so, yeah, from the top management, come to me, regardless of your job position, regardless of your experience, we believe as an organization, but you may have plenty of great ideas. So come to us and share, share your ideas. That's what I love in, in, in some organizations. And I also experienced it. So that, that's something I, uh, I would, I would recommend and I would give this ex advice I was never given before. Did that make you nervous in the beginning to step up to those people and, and, and discussing your ideas with yeah. them? Yeah, yeah, but when you have like like intelligent, reasonable people there, they should. <laughs> so they said, yeah, of course, they should listen to you and showing them value. Let's measure value we deliver, not only time to market, and not only how many features are 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 we able to deliver. Because those features may be not relevant for customers or users, maybe not useful for them. So why to force and push? delivering so many things what why we don't know if they are relevant yeah. that's uh, that's also another another advice uh, regarding this conversation they may have with people so this professional agile leadership and evidence-based management framework could be super powerful to most organizations making yeah. things yeah. transparent making yeah. them measurable and therefore able to move your organization mm -hmm. forward Magdalena, thank you very much for being here today. <laughs> thank you too so much. And thank you for having me, inviting me here. And I'm happy that I could share some, some of my experience. So were we. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. Magdalena, thank you very much again for being here today. And you guys, the listeners, thank you very much as well. We really love your enthusiasm and your engagement with us. Want to stay up to date when it comes to this podcast? Go to masteringagility.org, subscribe to that newsletter. And I would also love it if you go to podchaser.com and I'll provide the link in the show notes and leave us a review. I want to know everything about how you interpret this show, how you experience it, what we can do better, just to have a little bit of that feedback. 
Until the next time, guys, with a new episode of the Mastering Agility podcast.